Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Okay, um, I, I have a message this morning that makes me want to jump up and down, and I hope it does the same for you. The object of the exercise is to bring you encouragement and to, to bring renewed hope. If you need anybody needs some hope right now, remember the old uh, song that, uh, what was her name in, in Canada, the, the sweetheart of Canada sang? Uh, anyways, it was, I sure could use a little good news right now. But boy, don't we live in that yeah. little good news. Well, I got, I got a whole bunch of it. <laughs> An interesting thing that you hear kicked around uh, is this term bucket list. You ever heard that? You ever had a, a something like I, I had, uh, I always wanted to fly in the right seat of a B-17 beside the pilot. I was a real... Uh, Second World War airplane aficionado, and I thought that would be great. And and so I haven't done it yet, but uh, it's no big deal if I don't. But what I what I think is interesting about bucket list is that there are forms of hope, maybe distant hope, maybe faint hope, but it's like oh, I would, and, and it usually ends with if I could only do this before I die, okay. And it sort of says like. Like the last of our great opportunities for, for fun is before we die. Uh, I beg to pardon your Diffner on that particular subject. But the, the whole issue of, of the bucket list is, um, is, is, could be the subject of my message this morning. And the, the title of it is actually the first time I've ever done this where you get multiple choice. You get to call it either your bucket's not big enough, or crisis of hope, okay? If you look around at the world, which you don't have any choice but doing, it comes to your door, it comes to your TV set, it comes through the newspaper, it comes through your neighbor, all the bad news. And so, you know, I don't want to start out by depressing you even more than you might be, but like, did you know that antidepressants are the third most common drug in the world. Man, that's a lot of depressed people. And did you know that depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide? A lot of people looking for hope. Suicide, depending on the country, is either the first or the second greatest cause of death among young people. Go back to 2012 in Afghanistan when more soldiers, more U.S. servicemen died of suicide that were killed in action. You know, and so it paints a picture of despair. And, uh, and, and it, it can easily create a crisis of hope. And, um, you know, it's like, is, is hope 
well, I, I don't mean by hope, you know, positive thinking uh, or wishful thinking. I mean a confident anticipation that good is coming. That's what we need, right? Well, red alert, hot off the press, that's what we got. Doesn't get talked about very much, and I don't understand why, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit this morning. Uh, you know, what we want is that solid expectation, something that we can build our lives on, an unbreakable and unquenchable hope. Um, when, way, way back when, when I was in uh, going to Bible school down in Texas, um, I was thinking about this whole issue of salvation. And, and, and so when we present the gospel, isn't it common to say that your sins, you know, accept Jesus into your heart and, uh, and, and your sins will be forgiven. Confess your sins and he will forgive you your sins. And then when you die, get to go to heaven. Well, I heard that and I thought, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I, gotta, I get to go sit on a cloud and sing Amazing Grace for 10,000 years? <laughs> but it was nebulous. And when you think about it, anybody got a clear, absolute understanding of what heaven's going to be like? And I'm not saying this to downplay heaven. I'm sure it's a whole lot better than I can imagine. But it was like somehow that wasn't the anchor for my soul. And I'm going through all this and, and the, the, the question comes, what's the end game? Where does all this go? And it's to heaven, well, good. And, uh, but the, the thing that I guess confused me is God thought the earth was valuable enough to put man here and to uh, appoint us to rule and reign under his direction and so does heaven mean that ultimately God gave up on the earth? Which seems kind of odd because I don't know that God ever gave up on anything. So anyway, continuing. When you consider all the pain and all the, the heartache that arises in this world and in your own life, despite what you may have been told, Jesus didn't focus our hopes on an airlift to heaven. But he did promise the renewal of all things. And this is what we really need to, to focus on. What, what does this mean? The renewal of all things includes the earth that you love, every part of it. And it includes your own story. And if we look at the climax of the entire Bible, we'll look at Revelations 21.5, and it says a great restoration is coming. So if you knew that God was going to restore your life and everything you love any day, wouldn't that be a, a wonderful and glorious reality? Something to, to what, what uh, John Eldridge calls the, an anchor for your soul. Something that's unshakable, that's, that is is not wishful thinking, but is a reality of God's promise for you. And so I want to I deal with this. That, so if you believe this, that this glorious goodness was coming to you, uh, not in a vague heaven, but right here on earth, wouldn't that be amazing? 
you would have an anchor for your soul. And I want to add this to the story. It's like, so God puts us here and he wires us individually for things that mean a lot to us, for, for our passions, for the things that we love. I know it's like I love the mountains and I love the beauty of nature. They're so profound to me because they don't seem to argue with God. And I like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, we've got mountains plus. Every morning I go to look at Mount Everest. But at the end of our driveway in our little house in the wilds in, uh, in Canada, if I drove out to the road, I could see the, the skyline of the Canadian Rockies. And with this in mind, I would stop at the end of the driveway and gaze upon them and say, and it's going to be so much better than this. Whatever it is, that however you're wired, whatever you love to do, whatever you love to see, whatever, if it's music, it's, it's going to be so much better um, let me, let me just uh, read a passage out of, out of Hebrews 6.10. puts it this way. He calls what this hope that I'm talking about an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Think about that. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Pretty exciting. So every, every action, every teaching Jesus did were intentionally directed at unveiling hope to us. In Matthew 19, 28, and 29, he described it to us with, with such clarity. Jesus, and here it is. Jesus said to them, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Does that make your heart pitter-patter somewhat? That's something real good in store, right? That's, that's better than a ride in a B-17. God's intention for us is renewal and all through, well, that's what the gospel was all about, okay? It's like uh, we get to see it partially now, but we will see it in full. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the intention is for renewal. And uh, in, I'm going to share a little something with you in terms of uh, explaining this from the Greek word for renewal, palingensia, is derived from two root words, paling meaning again, and gensia, or gensia, meaning the beginning, which harkens back to what? To Genesis. It means Genesis again. Now, let's picture this. So that means that we're headed for the same environment on planet Earth that existed before sin, where there was nothing but perfection. There, nobody had ever even invented shame. There was no heartache, no nothing. There was the, the walking in the garden with Jesus. So basically what, what, what's happening with the establishment of the kingdom of God in the Earth is that's where we're headed. I mean, that, that excites me. 
If I like what, when I look at Pike's Peak, if I like that, how am I going to like it if I have a world that's not dying, that's not impacted by sin? It's like, come on. You know, it's pretty good news. A couple of translations that uh, I'm going to read you that get us even closer to the meaning of the passage. In the message, it's, it, it reads like this. Jesus replied, yes, you have followed me. In the recreation of the world, when the Son of Man will rule gloriously, you who have followed me will also rule, starting with the 12 tribes of Israel, and not only you, but anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, because of me will get back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. The NLT says, Jesus replied, I assure you, the world is made new, and the Son of God sits upon his glorious throne. You who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given out houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. This is when the world is made new. Now, if you, want to, you, ever, if you ever want to imagine, um, how can I put this, a, a holy Donnybrook, just start on eschatology. In eschatology, the, the, if, if, it's, if it's uneducated, usually begins like this. Well, I've always heard, and I want to say, uh, have you read? Or, I don't want to talk about eschatology because it only causes people to fight which is another way of saying, my mind's made up, you're not going to convince me of otherwise, and so I'm sticking with what I think. So we're not going to argue eschatology this morning. I'm just going to read you what Jesus said. <laughs> oh, man. We've heard lots about heaven, but Jesus is clearly not talking about heaven here. He's talking about the recreation of all things, including the earth we love. And if we back up just a little bit, um, we'll get a better sense of, of the gospel of Jesus. First off, the message he proclaimed was the gospel of a coming kingdom, was it not? Amen. Behold, now the kingdom. And so let's, let's see what Scripture says. Mark 1, 14 and 15 in the NLT says, Later on, after uh, John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached the good news. He preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the great news. Matthew 4.23 in the NLT says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of illness and disease. Matthew 9.35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and sickness. Luke 12.32 says, Don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. And Matthew 24, 14, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and the end will come. Uh, the end of what? The end of all that is not the kingdom of God. Okay? All this... No, I can't use that word in church. 
that stuff that's going on in the world that makes us crazy. It, it breaks our heart. It, it, it you know causes us to go by antidepressants and stuff. That's going to be gone. That, that's the end of all that stuff. And so Jesus is announcing the coming kingdom of God. So he demonstrated what that promise means by his actions. He he saw that the crippled walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead were raised to life. That's kingdom reality. That's what's coming. And we get to see it in bits and pieces here, but imagine getting to see the whole show. No sneak preview, no trailers, the whole movie. That's going to be pretty exciting, isn't it? Does that give you any hope? I mean, does that stir something that diminishes the craziness that we live in? I hope it does. That's what it's supposed to do. So Jesus's miracles were were just unforgettable messages uh, that this is what the kingdom is, and, and and nobody that saw him do these miracles could miss the point. They they saw okay, this is a sneak preview of where we're headed. And so the kingdom of God means a great restoration. And Jesus announced the renewal, the renewal of all things just before the Romans seized him. And just to make sure that nobody missed the point, shortly thereafter he walked out of the grave scot-free three days later. I would say that's the renewal of something, wouldn't you? That's a picture of the kingdom. Quite Logically, the most dramatic illustration of restoration that's ever been. <laughs> oh, me. And this is very interesting to me because I think, I don't know if I can describe this right or not, but we live in this life in a tension of an unfulfilled desire. It's hard sometimes to even put a name to it. But that sense of, this is not enough. We need something else, okay? That's something else being the kingdom and the renewal of all things. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it calls to us through uh, precious memories and moments of beauty and goodness. We think of it, uh, you know, when you're out on a mountaintop looking at the sunrise on all those peaks, it stirs something in you. It, it, it's saying something to you, not only about now, but about the future. Okay. And um, it, it, it calls to us in, in this dynamic tension called life of partially there, but not completely there. Okay. C.S. Lewis, great writer, I want to quote what he said about this, about this, this thing that's longing, this sense of something that it's like I need something and it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm not quite uh, content yet. Here's what he says, C.S. Lewis, even in your hobbies, has there not always been some secret attraction which the others are curiously ignorant of. Something then ticking, ticking in you that you feel like, only I get this. And it's something not to be denied 
uh, not to be identified with, but always on the verge of breaking through. The smell of wood in a workshop or the clap-clap of water against a boat's side are not all lifelong friendships born at the moment when at last you meet another human being who has some inkling, albeit faint and uncertain at best, of that something which you were born desiring and which beneath the flux of other desires and in all the momentary silences between the louder passions night and day, year by year, from childhood to old age, you're looking for, watching for, and listening for. Well, that describes it pretty good, doesn't it? And it's not through. You've never had it. All the things that have deeply possessed your soul have been but hints. Tantalizing glimpses, promises never quite fulfilled, echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. But if it should really become manifest, if there ever came an echo that did not die away, but swelled into the sound itself, you would know it. Beyond all possibility of doubt, you would say, here at last is the thing I was made for. Isn't that a great way of, of describing? We're looking for what we were made for, and it's promised. But if you don't know the promise, you're just kind of wandering around in the dark, and that's why I think that this whole subject should be... I wish I had been, when I, when I received Christ, I would have known this, that I would have thought, holy cow, what a deal. <laughs> you know, and I don't... Listen, me of all people should be grateful that my sins were forgiven. And I am truly grateful. But it's like I... It, it, it reminds me of back in Alberta. Five years before we moved out of Alberta, we knew we were going somewhere, but we had no idea where. So we tried to figure out where and tried several things. Nothing worked, but we couldn't go anywhere until we sold our house. It was on the market for five years. And not one soul ever came to look at it. <laughs> five years is a long time to wait when you're all dressed up and know where to go. <laughs> But there was that sense. There was that something inside. Something's coming. What is it? What is it? And, and when we finally found out uh, through a trip from Alberta down to Texas, it's too long a story, but, but once we, oh, that's where we're going. It was as clear as it could possibly be, but, you know, we got to sell the house. <laughs> uh, five years of nobody looking doesn't give you a lot of optimism. And so I was driving into the little town of Caroline one day, having this conversation with God. Okay, God, I see it. This is where we're supposed to go. I understand it. I have no doubt. And we're not going anywhere if we can't sell this house. So what you going to do about it? <laughs> Here's what God said to me. Is your security your house or is it me? What? Or is it me? So you're saying... When time to go comes, just take the keys to the bank and say, congratulations, you're the new owner of my former home. So I went home to Charlene and I said, this is what God said, so you ready to do that? Yeah, I guess I am. So we said, okay, God, uh, you're, our, you're our security, so 
We'll turn all this loose with no idea how we're going to do it. When we did that, the next day, a couple came and wanted the house. Not tomorrow, not next week. They want to move in with us. They wanted it. And they wanted to, they, want, they, they were so nervous that they weren't going to get it. Little did they know they were the only contenders. And, and I didn't tell them. And, and they wanted to give me cash, you know, to make sure to buy. I said, look, I can't do that. I, I got a realtor involved and I'd get in trouble. Well, but couldn't we just give you something? I said, look, uh, we'll get you in touch with the, with the realtor. And, and there's a, a possibility that you'll get the place. <laughs> so they fi I thought we we're going to have to have them evicted. <laughs> that night they left and we went, Whew, thank goodness. And they stopped and called us and wanted to know, are you sure we can't give you some cash? All I'm saying is, you know, when you're all dressed up and you don't know where you're going, when God reveals it, you're, you're going. We're all going, okay? We're all dressed up. But the good news is we know where we're going. For five years, we didn't know. And I like it a whole lot better when you have some idea. Plus, knowing what we know, it's going to be better than we could ever imagine anyway. Because we were made for the renewal of all things. That's, that burns in us. We need it. We want it. And it's, a, it's really important that we identify it and know what's coming. Y'all do hallelujahs? <laughs> Amen. Any of those things? What did, what did our congregation do? Oh, yeah, I, t I have to tell them when to say uh, amen. And, and they didn't like amen, so they would just say ta-da. <laughs> Different in Canada. God has given us a heart for the kingdom. And it's not uh, vagaries of a wispy heaven somewhere. And once again, I'm not knocking heaven. If that's one of my stops, I can't wait to get there. But this is, the, this is the end game. So the secret to our unhappiness and the, answer, the agony of the entire world are one and the same. We are longing for the kingdom of God. We're aching for the renewal of all things. That's the only hope, strong enough, brilliant enough, glorious enough to overcome the heartaches of this world. I mean, when you put that into perspective, the craziness is, is a temporary problem. And it's not that I don't want Jesus to invade communities. I want, I want more people in the kingdom of God, and so does he. And every move of God that makes that happen is wonderful. But this is the only, the only thing that will anchor your soul. Listen to Hebrews 6.19 in the message we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable lifeline. Back when Jesus was walking on the earth and he would use the phrase at the renewal of all things, he, he, it was like a casual statement. It wasn't necessarily a shock to his listeners because uh, the Jewish people especially the devout Jewish people, had seen this in the Old Testament. 
And so Jesus, when he, when he spoke of the renewal of all things, is just drawing on a story that his disciples already understood. They didn't need to be convinced. They didn't have, need to have some theological backup. It was, it was known to them through Scripture. And, and uh, let's listen to some of the Scriptures by which they would know it. Y'all don't mind if I read Scriptures, do you? Isaiah, man. <laughs> Whoo, what a guy. Isaiah 51.11, listen to this. Those who have been ransomed by God will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing crowned with everlasting glory. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Isaiah 60, verse 5. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you and they will bring you wealth of, uh, of many lands. 60, 17 through 20 of Isaiah says, I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear in the land. The desolation and the destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls. And praise will be on the lips of all who enter here. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will never go down. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, your days of mourning will come to an end. Ta-da! So these, these, these scriptures are scattered kind of like gems and wildflowers throughout the word. And so, you know, it's like, uh, so is God just taunting us? Isaiah covered that as well. Isaiah 65, 17 through 19. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation, and look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people, Jesus, Jesus knew his listeners understood that, and he knew that, that they ached for it and they prayed for it, because this is the culmination of, of the Old Testament promises of a great restoration. And while the Old Testament pointed to that, it foreshadowed the climax in the book of Revelation, which I started with, the final word of God and his promise to us in Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I'm going to continue, but I, I just want to, I want to point something out. So the new Jerusalem, we've read about it. It's coming down. God gives in his word the description of the width and the height and so forth and so on. And, and then those who are still on earth are raised to meet them. And I, want, I dare you to find in the Bible where it says, and when they all got together, they went back to heaven. If they did that, there would have to be a third coming. That was it. Whew. Stand back. 
Continuing, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, this is John writing in Patmos, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Folks, if that's not good news, if that's not the best news, I don't know what to tell you. Does, does focusing on this promise do something to take the pressure off your soul and heart for what everybody in this room is going through something? Nobody escapes in this life. Everybody's got a heartache of some description, some more than others. And so it's like the question arises, well, what's, what's God to do? What's he going to do to redeem all this? This is what he's going to do. So if your bucket list is the foremost thing on your life, your bucket's not big enough. <laughs> you need a way bigger bucket. Whew. I'm going to have to go dance this off. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Golly, if, that's, if that doesn't do something for your hope, then I guess my only question is how long you've been dead. Wow. And I went, I went to the end of the driveway and looked at what I love and, and I, my, my mind understanding and grappling with says and it's going to be so much better than this. Whatever is the best, right now, it's going to get better. This is a temporary issue. And uh, why would God turn around and, and give us these, these passions and these delights in what he's created and then take us somewhere that they don't exist? Doesn't kind of sound like a bait and switch of some kind, but that's not the case. It's going to be so much better. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at EmmausFellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.